And now, another Oprah and Friends exclusive. You have heard her on Oprah's Soul series. It takes a fearless spirit to live in the mystery. Now it's your turn to talk to spiritual adventurer and author Elizabeth Lesser. For your questions and comments on a new earth, please call 866-OPRA-XM now. That's 866-OPRA-XM, 866-677-2496. Now, live on Oprah and Friends, it's Elizabeth Lesser. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a New Earth After Show designed exclusively for you, the Oprah and Friends listener on XM156. Welcome to our last radio program following the last of the 10-week webinar with Oprah and author Eckhart Tolle that has been going on around his book, A New Earth. And it has been an extraordinary journey uh, everyone who's been listening and watching on Oprah.com to uh, the way Oprah and Eckhart have taken this remarkable book and presented it to the world and created a global community around the exploration of this book. Over the 10 weeks of the webinar, uh, we've had more than 26 million total webcast streams and downloads. 26 million that's a lot. And each week, close to one and a half million people have experienced the conversations between Eckhart Tolle and Oprah. So you are part of a worldwide community that can take the wisdom that we've been sharing and um, bring it into your everyday life. And by doing that, change the world. When this many people join together in a community around something as beautiful and pure and well-intentioned as quieting the ego, changing your consciousness. There's really no telling what we can do. It's been, for me personally, an extraordinary journey. Living for the past three months in the teachings of this book has um, changed my life, and I've been at this work for 30 years, and I hope it's had the same effect on you who are listening. Um, there's this sense of gratitude, and also there's kind of a sadness I've been hearing in many of the um, chat boards online, people writing in saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do after this is, this is over? Um, there's, it's a rare thing in our culture to feel part of a community these days. You know, I um, was chosen by Oprah to create this curriculum because I helped start a school called Omega Institute, which is a community of people who come together to learn from teachers like Eckhart Tolle and thousands more. And one thing that people always say when they come to our campus in upstate New York, and they are together with several hundred people during the week, they say, gosh, I've only known these people for a weekend or a week, and I feel like I know them better than the people in my life. There's um, a huge hunger in our culture for community, uh, with families that have been separated across geography and towns which have gotten so big. Uh, there's, there's a real lack in people's life of community, and that's what people have felt through this web course and through listening here on the XM station. And I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what happens now that this community disbands and how we can avoid getting sentimental about it and getting so sad that we lose the real purpose of what this has been. 
in great spiritual traditions, they always talk about the climb up the mountain and to Shangri-La, to this place of awakening. But there's also just as many stories in the great spiritual traditions of what happens when you go down the mountain, when you leave, and you have to take what you've learned and put it into the real hard lessons of, of daily life. And that's really the important work. And so when Eckhart and Oprah signed off tonight and said, this isn't the end, this is the beginning, that's really the truth. The real work for us is to take what we've learned and put it into action with the people in our life. I know many people have been writing in saying, well, what happens now? Will I fit in with my old life? Will my friends and family understand what I've experienced and how I've changed? And, and I feel closer to the people who I've been emailing, even though I've never met them. So if you have questions and concerns like that tonight, give me a call at 866-OPRAH-XM. That's 866-677-2496. Call me with questions about Chapter 10 the last chapter of the book called A New Earth, and anything that we've been discussing over the past 10 weeks. I really hope you call in. And we do have a caller on the phone, and it's Chantel. Hi, what can I do for you tonight? Hi, Elizabeth. Um, thank you for taking my call. Yes, I've enjoyed all of these seminars um, and webcasts. But yes, I do have a question that kind of came up from watching the webcast today or this evening. Um, and my question is, how do you know if your dream or your goal is coming from your consciousness or your ego? So um, that's a great question. And it's been up for everyone in Chapter 9 and in Chapter 10, this idea of our outer purpose. We have an inner purpose, which is to become conscious to become conscious in, and enjoy every single moment. And then we have an outer purpose. What do we do with that inner sense of self here in this precious opportunity called our human life? So what has been coming up in you over the past 10 weeks about what you think your dream and vision is? Yeah, well, you know, I've, I'm in a job that I'm very bored at. And I guess through this whole course, I've thought that you know, I, I don't like what I'm doing, and I want to get out. Um, and I thought that I want to go back to grad school. And so now I'm thinking I want to go to grad school, but then I'm thinking, well, and so I've already done some things, you know, to to line myself up to go back to grad school instead of being in the job that I'm in right now. And now I'm thinking, well, is it my ego that wants to go to grad school, or is it because I don't like what I'm doing right now, or is it truly that I, I really do desire to go um, back to school? And, and you what know, what do you want to go back to school in? Um, I want to do something in international business, international relations. And why do you, like why that. do you want to do that? Um, I feel as though it's something like I uh, in college I majored in French and I studied abroad so I had a wonderful experience you know being in France and um, just doing these webcasts and everything that the world is so connected and I don't know I just I just feel like doing something in the international world helping people internationally I love different cultures Mm -hmm. um, well, I haven't that. heard in anything that you're saying a sense of ego, let's say, 
um, I want to become more powerful than other people. That's what the ego would be feeling. I want to make a whole lot of money. I want to impress people. I want to impress my parents. I haven't felt any of that energy coming from you. I've pretty much heard you saying, I want to be fully alive. I felt so alive earlier when I was in France. And, and I also heard you say, the world is so huge, and I really want to help the world. I want to feel connected to the world. So it doesn't sound to me that your intention here is coming from purely an ego place. Of course, the ego is always involved, so you don't have to worry if it's coming from a totally 100% pure place. But it seems to me to be coming from a place of, of, of depth in you and... Right. Perhaps what you also feel rising up at the same time, were you watching and listening tonight uh, when Sharon was speaking from the Borders group about yes. suddenly she's like, she is doing exactly what you're talking about wanting to do. Yeah, and I there's, totally, yeah. And there's a sense of fear that rises up, and that may be what you're feeling along with your fear that it's the ego, just a fear of like, Oh no, what's going to happen? Will I gather loans? What will people think about me? Do you have any of that coming up? Right, yeah, and the fact that like I have a really good job right now, I'm financially stable, everything is fine in this economy when everything is going down, like why would I leave a great job to, you know, go back to school and and don't know what's going to happen and if I'm going to get a job after school and you're right, student loans and mm-hmm. you know, all of that is is you know, carrying a lot of weight and do I just drop my job right now or do I continue with my job and look for grad school while I'm still working or, you know, all of these. Well, of course, I can't really tell you exactly what to do because I don't know all the extenuating circumstances. But what I hear coming up, and, and Eckhart and Oprah talked about it beautifully tonight, is worry. And worry when you get to a place of decision-making, is never your friend. It's really a little hamster wheel that the mind gets in as a way of keeping you from acting. So there's a good way to test this out, which is to stay in your job a little longer and see if you can, by bringing all yourself into the job, if you can be present in every moment there, enjoy the people you work with, Enjoy what you do do that has some meaning there. Bring your full presence to it. Give yourself maybe a month and say, I'm going to be in this with all my heart. And if after doing it, you're still feeling this restlessness and this desire to serve the world and your inner purpose through something else, I would say you're going to have to work on quieting the worry, the monkey mind that just is going to worry about everything and leaping and seeing what happens next, because life is short, precious, and an adventure, and each one of us has a purpose to fulfill and a a dream to live out. And it sounds to me like you're ready to take that jump, and worry is keeping you trapped. But um, give your job right now a good old try and see what happens. And thank you so much for calling in, and good luck with that. Um, we now have Tammy on the line, and Tammy, I understand that um, you're stressing out and feeling a little sad, like so many of us are, that the webcast is coming to an end. So tell us about that. Uh, well, I'm I'm realizing that the source of it is because through, I, I would say the last five years or so, I've been getting snippets of what the whole book 
consisted of. And I finally, when when I read the book, I finally realized, man, somebody gets it. This is what it is. Somebody gets it. And when you finally realize how important it is to be conscious and understand it, then you're happy. And and then, you know, towards the end of the, the, the um, book, I felt myself slowing down because I didn't want the end to be there. And even today, I felt like, oh, my goodness, the end is coming. And it's, it's just a, maybe it's just a disconnection from the community. But Yeah, that's very hard. Community is so wonderful and so lacking in our life. But here's what's so funny. When we say community, um, for most of us, it's a lot of disembodied people out there enjoying the book, and we know we're all there together on Monday night. Most of us aren't really in a book group or sharing it with other people. Those people that we all feel so connected to, they're still out there. We're all still going to be out there. And whenever you are conscious, whenever you can go into a place of stillness and tap in to the life force within you, know that the six million people who have bought and read the book and the 1.5 1.5 million people who have called, who have been tuning in together Monday nights, we're all still there, and we're all still struggling, struggling along with it with you. And the other thing to do is to try to find real-life people in your town who have been reading the book or just do things like go to yoga class or hike in the woods, people who are interested in presence, if you can find them and create a real-bodied community. Do you have any people in your life who enjoy this book? I do. I, In fact, I've, I've realized that a lot of people, when, when I start, I even speak different now, and when I start speaking in reference or using some of the terms from the book, people will pick up on it and go, hey, are you reading the book? Well, that's great. <laughs> so that's, so that's great. good. Yeah, you have those people now. They're in your life. Try to try to really make them be a part of your life now. You, you're not losing anything. And guess what? The book, it's not ending. You can just open it up from page one now and start all over again. And also, exactly. Oprah's been so generous to create for us more of this Soul Series. There's more books just like it. Um, so really, I would try to shift in your mind. It's just a tiny little shift. Nothing's ending. It's just beginning for you. So I'd say congratulations, and thanks for calling, Tammy. So uh, Oprah Winfrey has just walked into the studio. Yay. Welcome. Look look what you did. It's so exciting. Yeah. Look at what we did. Look at what we did. We yeah. all did this together. I don't feel that... Uh, I was actually reading again Chapter 10 and that line about how all of you know the energy comes through you that you know, comes directly from source. Energy comes from consciousness, comes from God, whichever choose name, name feels good to you to use. And all the people who say there's only one name, there's God. God doesn't have an ego, so God doesn't care. Uh, I just feel like it was uh, the right thing to do at this particular yeah. time. It you felt know, like the right the thing to do. the image I got tonight when, when you were talking with Eckhart and I was feeling the presence of the million or so people, I got this feeling of, the ancient Arabian oases, you know, travelers would come in the desert on their journeys, and they'd meet for a little while at this shimmering oasis, and they'd put their tents up, and they'd drink from the well, and they'd tell their stories, and then they'd go off on their journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt this sense of we've been at a drinking at a deep well at an oasis, 
And now we're all going back into our life, and we're going to bring that nourishment out. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, listening to uh, the last uh, Tatiana from uh, Bodhi Tree, uh, when he talked about acceptance is something that flows, that you allow to flow into the doing, that acceptance is not being passive about whatever is going on. I thought that <clears throat> was so powerful because I think that everyone who rereads this and sits with it for a time will begin to gather new information. It will come to you in different mm-hmm. ways because what happens the first time you read it, you create an opening. And then the next time you read it, the opening gets a little larger That's and a little right. larger. And that you just literally for myself, and I know this has happened to you too, you'll go back and read something. You've read it. I just had read it last week and I hear it differently. Mm-hmm. It, it resonates differently yeah, with me. And it's, it's a big misconception that if you're spiritual, therefore you just sit on a rock and say om and never do anything. Correct. That, that's, you know, if you look at the great change makers in the world, it's pretty amazing. You have two kind. You have the destructive kind. Right. Who wage war and create huge suffering. But the other kind, the real peacemakers, the Martin Luther Kings, the Gandhis, the Mother Teresas, they're all, they're, these are all people infused by spirit. Great change is often made by people infused by the kind of spirit that Eckhart Tolle is talking about. These are all spiritual people who make the kind of change we all want to make, too. Yeah. So it feels good. It feels like we did something really big yep. and uh, op- it created an opening. You know, I didn't get a chance to see it today because I was uh, working, but um, I was watching television this morning and saw an ad, an advertisement for or promo for NBC Nightly News where Brian Williams was doing a piece tonight on mind, body, spirit. And that struck me because I remember years ago when I first started talking about mind, body, spirit and was talking about the anatomy of spirit on the Oprah show with Carolyn Mace, people were like, what do you mean spirit? And what are you talking about? Do you mean Jesus or what do you mean? And I thought now it has become such a part of the culture Mm-hmm. That NBC Nightly News is doing a piece on mind, body, spirit. It's reaching um, a saturation point, reaching yeah. a, you know, the consciousness yeah. is, is, is being raised to the point where it is, um, you can do it on the evening news. Yeah, you can go into any hospital in this country, in any city or town, and most of them will have a library where you can listen to tapes about how to change your frequency, your vibrational frequency, what you were talking about. So you're listening to the last episode of A New Earth After Show, and Oprah and I are taking your calls. Please call us at 866-OPRAH-XM. We'd love to take your call. And Jennifer, thank you for calling. Uh, How are you feeling about this last episode of our time together? Well, I am absolutely ecstatic uh, about the 10 weeks that I've spent. Um, It is just one of those experiences I think all of us have been through that we are all at different stages in our life. We are all going through things that are very difficult from, uh, you know, divorce, sickness, not knowing where you are in life. And uh, we've had a chance to come together and I've met some wonderful women um, that uh, we have connected in a way, and uh, 
but I really want to thank, you know, Eckhart and Oprah for bringing this to the forefront and, uh, you know, your views on uh, Catholicism. I am very Christian, and I really have actually grown in my own religion, and it's been coming more of a powerful experience than it was before. Excellent. That's what yeah. we want. Yeah, I mean, like before, I got sick, and it was my sickness that brought the reality that my roles were now all gone. Right. You know, as as you know, a mother, as a worker, as a friend, as a sister, all of these things that I was placed into. So that chapter corners, related very well to you, the role playing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was like that chapter I had to get over because I was like, you know, I, this is the first book on self-awareness I've ever, you know, read, mm-hmm. you know, which is amazing. I've read over 600 novels because that was part of my healing. Um, if I didn't have my novels, I think I would go, you know, bonkers. So but Jennifer, now, Jennifer, do you want to take this opportunity to ask Oprah or myself? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to ask, um, are your instincts part of awareness or is it awareness because they always said that instincts are that little voice in your head that's telling you you shouldn't do this This do you have an example of of an instinct you've been having recently that you are questioning uh i i'm having yeah you could say that um i'm having more of a religious experience uh i you know uh I've come full force into my religion, and it's just been a beautiful thing. But some things are happening, like he was talking about connections. All of a sudden, this is happening, then that's happening. And you don't really want to question your instincts are saying, this is powerful and beautiful and stay with this. And then the other thing saying, well, is this really your ego looking for something that's not there? So you're experiencing like synchronicities and things lining up almost miraculous, it feels. And you're wondering, are you kind of like forcing that and making it up or is it true? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I pick up a book and the next time I was watching the mass, they're bringing up the lady. I just picked the book out of nowhere. Well, I think those things are always happening. I think almost if you really are aware of what's going on, the whole world begins to feel like a miracle. The, you run into a problem when you start making it into something bigger than it is. I expect miracles all the time. And I, I actually just think waking up and breathing is the sign of God and that God is everywhere and everything is touched with, the, with those moments. And sometimes they're more amazing than others. Sometimes it's just mind-blowing, like the experience you said you just had. Um, but if you start kind of exaggerating them in your mind and making them, you think, I'm so special and look how great I am now that I'm having this experience, that's when it's your ego I would just be grateful for any sign of synchronicity and God's hand and leave it at that. What would you say, Oprah? I would say the same thing, that when you see those things, those, I call them God whispers or synchronicities or, um, yeah, things lining up for you. It is, you know, I call God winks. They're like God winks where it's just like saying you're on the right path. Right. Ah, yeah. I'm moving in the right direction. Yeah. And don't, I'm in the you flow don't have of to things. take it so seriously. It's more a wink than a huge symbol crash. Yeah, it is. I call them. Uh, that's exactly what they are. Little yeah. God winks. Yeah. Thank you for calling, Jennifer. 
And uh, welcome, everybody, to the New Earth After Show. Call us with your questions, 866-OPRA-XM. That's 866-677-2496. Don't you have 1,000 calls already backed up back there? So you, you continue to plug phones when you got got 1,000 calls? Everybody's like, let me just get my phone call in. But that's so nice of you to continue to, because I'm thinking, Oprah, I'd be on the phone now trying to go, oh, where's the O? Uh, oh, P, that <laughs> R. Where's the A? Well, we do have somebody who figured it out who okay. called in, and it's Sparrow. Welcome, Sparrow. Hello. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Miss Lesser. Hello, Miss Winfrey. Thank Hi. you for calling. Yes, Mama oh, raised him well. It's Miss Winfrey and Miss yeah. Lesser. Thank you. Well, you know, I learned that from listening to one of your Oprah and Friends persons. Dr. Angelo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where you, that's where <laughs> you get I that lesson. Her. Oh, yes. boy. I hope you didn't I've call up and say, hi, her. Maya. No, yes. buddy. Yes, ma'am. And you got corrected, <laughs> did you not? Yes. Oh, you know, okay. I have to tell you, I, got, uh, I received uh, three free months of XM when I bought a new car. And about two weeks into it, I found this station, and there was a show called Talk to Me. Oh, that's when I used to do that. Yes, ma'am. And then uh, it morphed, thank goodness, into the Soul Series. Yeah, I'm with you. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I bought every book from every person you had on. Well, that's fantastic, Spiro. Yes, ma'am. What do you want to say about tonight's class? Yes, ma'am. It was incredible, this whole series. is. And I have to tell you, though, in all honesty, every one of your Oprah and Friends radio programs, from Dr. Robin to Dr. Oz, they are just as impactful on me as oh. this 10-week um, well, webinar great. has been. That that's is great. great, and that is something that people who are worried about what to do next, um, I think it's true. There's so many jewels of wisdom to be found that's on, right. on this station. On this station, and also that will just open up to you. I mean, the fact that I was ready for a new earth. It had already been out for a couple of years, uh, since 2005. I No, not yeah. Yeah. And uh, since 2005 and I hadn't come across it and I am in this business and, and I hadn't encountered it until I was doing Eckhart as an Oprah and Friends uh, radio broadcast. And the producer, Corny, had gave me that book and I went, Eckhart has another book. How did I not know this? So it comes when you're ready. You know, when the student is ready, the teacher shows the up. The car shows up with the XM radio on it. That's right. Yeah. Spiro, do you have a question? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, my question has to do with, it's always been on my mind throughout this whole time, is cause and effect versus living in the now. Hmm. Um, I've always, I, I heard from one of the people in the Soul series, Dr. David Hawkins, uh, one of his books, he talks about we Power think, versus force, yeah. Yes, ma'am. We think that we are pushed into the future by our past, but he says in reality you're, you're being pulled into the future, and there really is no cause and effect. But I've ever since I read the New American Spirituality, I really <laughs> respect Miss Lesser's writing. So I'd like to get both of your opinions on cause and effect. Is there really such a thing, or should we always be in present and now? Mm-hmm. Well, um, since uh, once if if you do begin more and more to live fully in the present moment, like the way Oprah asked. Eckhart tonight. Eckhart, do you have any problems? Yes, and, and he, he said, said, I don't create I don't pro- create them. So the more you live in the present moment, the whole cause and effect, karma as it's called in the East, begins to 
fall away because you're not creating new karma. You're not creating new problems. You're in the flow of life. You're not resisting life, so you're not creating a trail of history that's going to impact on your future. But unfortunately, or fortunately, as you may want to call it, because as Eckhart also said tonight, our challenges help us awaken. We we all do have some karma we're, we're carrying around, so we are impacted by the cause and effect. We still are. Um, we've got pain bodies we're still working with, and they and until we make them conscious, they do affect the present, which then becomes the future. So I think instead of worrying about it, it the practice of being present actually begins to change the way cause and effect works in you. Well, I might disagree with that, Lizzie. All right. Okay. I might disagree with that, Spiro, in that I think that for, for the way I see it is, is that cause and effect is unavoidable. I think I, what I hear Lizzie saying, Elizabeth, no, Ms. no, Lesser Lizzie, saying, Lizzie, what I hear Lizzie saying is that, um, that she's thinking of it in terms of the negative and creating negative karma, but everything you do has an effect on something. Everything that you do ultimately affects something else. So if you bring the present moment to whatever you're doing, the chances are you're going to create good karma for yourself because you're bringing presence, a sense of consciousness, the Holy Spirit, whatever you choose to call it, to this present moment. And that's going to create an outcome or an effect that allows uh, for only a reflection of this present moment of goodness to come back into your life. But I think that cause and effect is unavoidable. Everything you do, I think, leads to another effect. I, I agree. It's like you throw a, a, a pebble in a pond and there's a ripple effect. That pebble doesn't have an ego. It's not bad. It, it causes something. Yeah. The more we get our, our ego, our striving ego, out of the way, yeah. the more our karma will be aligned with the karma of good in the whole world. How does that sound to you, Spiro? Well, I agree because the effect of me getting three free months of XM, listening to talk to me, and now I'm talking to you, and it obviously shows the goodness that came from that. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling in. It's been great talking to you. It's a pleasure. Thank you both. Thanks, Spiro. All right. You know, you quoted something tonight. You said... um, Robert Kennedy said it, mm-hmm. and actually he did, but he was quoting one of my favorite Christian mystics, which is whose name is Reinhold Niebuhr. Oh. I don't know if you've ever read. Is that him. where except the change? That's came where from? it came from, and I found the quote, and it says, "God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to, to know, know the, the difference. difference." Okay, and that's so beautiful. That's an encapsulation to me of the whole book that wisdom to know the difference so that when we get confused, should I leave the job, should I not, what should I do, to go into that state of stillness, that's where we find the wisdom to know what should we do. Well, and also my friend Kimberly, who called earlier in the evening, was talking about a friend of hers, I mean, because she'd emailed me several times last week to the point where I was like, you just need to Skype because I can't, you know, answer these questions through email. The whole idea of once you start uh, become once you become awakened to this new way of being in the world, you you want to now apply it to everything and you want it to work and you think, well, I'm being peaceful. 
I'm going to be peaceful now, but I'm still dealing with an obnoxious boss. Why isn't this working for this particular situation? Mm. It's because it's a spiritual path. It's because it's a process. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the obnoxious person is in your way or the conflict or the challenge is in your way in order to test your your, 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 your spiritual muscle. I loved Eckhart talking about dealing with obnoxious people. Let's listen to that clip. When you are not judging the person mentally, not calling him or her anything, you still know that this person is obnoxious. Yes. You know that. Yeah. You know, still know that this person is controlled by the ego. But you also know that there's a being that is pure and innocent and as close to God as anybody. So. Is it possible to look through the ego in others? Yeah, but, but Eckhart, you still don't have to want to deal with that person. No. You may want to remove yourself. And, right. And if, you, if that is uh, possible, then that often is the best thing to That's do. That's right, because you can still say, I can bless you in your beingness. Yes. And but what you're showing me now is not what I want to no. deal with. Or you can walk out of a job if it's insane. The right. environment is insane. The more present you are, the more certain you will be about what to do. What to do. Absolutely. But the realization of what you have to do comes from a powerful but peaceful place when you're present. That's right. So when you're walking out of the office, you're not walking out in anger when it comes through presence. You're peaceful with everyone and say, that's it, I'm walking out of here. Yeah, because it comes from a place of power and not from a place of external anger. I can't believe, or drama. Yeah, drama. you know, several years ago at Omega Institute, um, my my school in Rhinebeck, New York, we, we, we started doing these retreats for peacemakers because I began to notice that so, a lot of people working for social change are actually really angry, and their work mm. is fueled by, by, their anger. by their anger. And we thought, what if we could actually help them become the peace? Yeah. Being peace. What and, a great idea. And... It was some of the very hardest retreats we ever led. These, there were some really angry peacemakers there. I can believe it. And, that's what Eckhart says in the book, too, where you have all these people in the war against this and the war against and the war against, yes. Yeah, and I, I think one of the great learnings I received from the 10 weeks of immersion into this book was, even though I've heard that teaching many, many times, be the peace you want to see in yeah, the world, be yeah. the change, to really take that on in a profound and responsible way. I'm going to be it. I'm not going to keep waiting for other people to be it. Uh, That's my first order of business every day is to, I watch the news, I get so upset, the world seems to be falling apart. That energy of angst and worry helps nothing. I'm going to be the peace. Yeah. And then I can go out and do the work, but I'm going to do it with that energy. You have to turn off the TV, especially mm. when certain things are on there. Like tomorrow? Yes. I, I, I won't be able to watch. The until... Tuesday primaries? Yes. Indiana people? Yeah, Indiana people. <laughs> yeah. We have Liza on the phone. Thanks for calling in, Liza. Did you enjoy tonight's show? You there, Liza? Well, Liza with a Z, too, it was, too. Liza. All right, she's not with us. Jill, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, great. Hi. Hi. How are you tonight? Oh, my question. I'm so grateful to have a chance to ask it. I've been waiting 10 weeks to have a chance. 
Um, my question is, why do we have this ego? What, what purpose does it serve, and what is the ego? I mean, are we born with this ego? Is mm-hmm. this the original sin that you hear um, causing us to strive to be a better person? I'm just making mm-hmm. uh, guesses, but right. I'd like to ask Eckert or, or any of you, what, what purpose does this ego have? Why do we have it? Well, I have an idea. It's just my idea, and I don't, I'm not speaking for Eckhart here, but, you know, just like we have a body that is matter held together by gravity, I think the ego is just a form of giving us this experience of being an individual human being. We, it's a structure, and it but in it its... seems to serve no good. It's always well, something that it, we have to overcome. It doesn't, it's not that it serves no good. I think it serves a lot of good. It gives us all a personality and a chance to play, to play together as, as individual beings, um, the holes through which God comes. It's when we over-identify with it. When yeah. we're so identified with the ego, then we get lost in it. Then we we forget what it's really here for, which is just to give us a brief and glorious experience as a human being. How is the ego positive? Oh, how is it positive? Because it allows you to have an identity. It allows you to be Jill and to go through the world and claim things that you love to do and how you wish to express yourself. It's like saying, how is the body? Do you think of your body as something really um, evil and bad? No. 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 It, it's, a for, it's a kind of a body. Yeah. There's, there's all different... Everything that is in this material world and made of matter is really just energy brought together very briefly into yes. a form. Your ego's the same thing. It's and a, it only becomes a problem when you become over-identified with it. It's mm-hmm. a problem when we now, in our culture, uh, identify ourselves by the things that we have and the, and the labels that we give to ourselves and what do we do and what school did you come from. And uh-huh. it's, it's, oh, it's, it's over-identification with form. Oh. I mean... I th- Having an ego is a good thing. It's a thing. It's not, it's not, it's not a, a good. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. Having an ego is like having an arm. It's like having uh-huh. a body. It just is. It's just where we seem to have ended up here as human beings. I want to put a plug in for something that Eckhart spoke about several times throughout these 10 weeks, which is that when you're having trouble understanding a concept, Sometimes the best thing to do is not try to figure it out. So why do we have an ego isn't necessarily even the most helpful question. Sometimes it's good to train ourselves to kind of relax into the mystery of being a human being. I don't think we're going to figure it all out. And using the mind to try to figure out the mind just gets you into this, this uh, cul-de-sac that you never get out of. And what he also says, too, is, you know, this was particularly interesting on Chapter 8, the inner space, because I was frustrated at the end of that class that, you know, I didn't think we were, you know, getting the idea across to people. And he said, the words are just pointers. The words are pointers to the direction of the feeling that if you, you know, the whole book is just a pointer to the direction of an awakening experience that he cannot, through his lang- through language, explain what it is to awaken. It's only after you awaken. It's only after you can, in your own consciousness, see your ego at work 
that you can understand what we're talking about. And then you say, oh, there it is. It just mm-hmm. showed up again. But all the words just point you in the direction of being able to mm-hmm. to discover that. I tell you what will be very helpful to you, Jill, I think, is um, there is, uh, as I said, next week I'm doing Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She has a website. I think it's called drjillboltytaylor.org or dot. Anyway, I'm going to, somebody's going to get the information for me. You can go to that website right now and you can download her book because right now she's self-published, I think. Uh, a bunch of publishers are now looking to try to publish her, but right now she's self-published. And it's a very small book, but it's called My Stroke of Insight. And she is, it's called drjilltaylor.com, drjilltaylor.com, and you can download the book. But in the book, she talks about how she had this stroke, and the stroke um, really destroyed the left hemisphere of her brain. And the left hemisphere is where the ego resides and language resides and all identification with things and form. And what remained was the right hemisphere. She remained awake the whole time. The right hemisphere is the broader concepts and the connection and ability to perceive uh, the oneness of all things is what she was able to do mm. with this right hemisphere of her brain. But the ego was dead. So what she was, what she's essentially saying is that she, she lost herself. She lost all, she didn't know who she was. She talks about how um, her mother came into the room. She didn't know what a mother was or certainly didn't know what, didn't know what a mother was and certainly didn't know she had one. And then when she began to regain the other side of her brain and began to re-identify with her ego, she was able to put her ego in service of that new awakening she had had. And then the ego isn't a problem at all. That's right. She had literally put the ego in check. And so it, it's easier to understand it from the perspective of, first of all, she's a scientist and was, you know, Harvard trained and working at Harvard at the time. And uh, she was able to do because she was forced to through a stroke, exactly what Eckhart is saying we can learn to do, and that is to quiet the left hemisphere of the brain mm-hmm. in such a way that the ego is not the dominant force. Yeah, and you know, in earlier cultures, um, the ego was not as much of a dominant force that it is as it is now. Because we didn't have so many things to identify with. And and we, you know, science has brought in this great adulation of the mind, which is a wonderful thing, but it's only one part of us. We also have a feeling function, emotional intelligence, and we have a, a capacity to tune into the sacred, which we've really lost touch with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's been so profound but also in in previous times i mean we were just so concerned with survival i mean so you you you've got i i did this thing for a pbs several years ago gail and i went back in this pbs house and you're living you know in the you know 18th century where every single moment of your day is spent you know getting food or planting food or ironing clothes washing clothes making taking care of your family so there isn't as much time to identify with what do you do Right. And I think that's why Eckhart's calling it a new earth, because we've evolved through these different phases of human history. When we moved out of survival, we came into the period we're leaving now where we we got to experience leisure and things and and more relaxation. But we've gone, as we humans often do, overboard. Right. And now we're coming into a place where we might be able to bring the sacred back 
and still have uh, not live in survival. Well, I think the essence of what Eckhart is saying in A New Earth is that if we don't bring the sacred back, presence, consciousness back, we are going to all die. That's right. That there will be no evolvement without the sacred, no evolvement uh, moving forward. Uh, I love the guy last week who had a problem with the word evolve when that's what yeah. we're all doing. Yeah. I thought, my God, if you're going to be blocked by the word evolvement, then yeah. not much hope for us. And the, the one of your favorite quotes is, is evolve or die. Evolve or die. That's from chapter two. Uh, we have Liza. Thanks, Jill. Thank you very much. We have Liza on the line. Hi. Um, I apologize about earlier. <laughs> What, you have to go to the bathroom or something? No, no, I had phone <laughs> issues. But, oh, okay. Uh, I, I do have a question for, for the both of you, and my question is, if something happens in your past that you haven't dealt with, is it possible to move forward without processing those feelings, especially if there's a pain body associated to the past situation? Is it possible to move forward without processing those feelings um, that were created by that past situation, do you think? I would say it depends how active it is in your life. Is it something that's really haunting you and showing up in your current relationships and something you know very well that that's you want to deal with and need to? Well, and I guess that's the question. It's something that I feel like I should just be able to let go of. I mean, we talk about, or Eckhart and, and Oprah have talked about the past and how you should let go of the past. You shouldn't cling on to it. And so if something very hurtful has happened in your past um, and you are aware that it's happened, shouldn't you be able to just let that go and move on and, and learn from it? Not necessarily. Than, Everyone silly. has a different way of dealing with it. For myself, uh, until I looked squarely at some real deep patterns that I had developed in childhood and brought into current relationships, I couldn't be free of them. For me, psychotherapy over a period of three or four years really, really helped me become free. Other people will find other ways of doing it, but uh, I, I'm one who votes for turning around and looking at it. And, and, and what do you say, Oprah? I'm one for absolutely. I, th I think until you heal the wounds of your past, you will continue to bleed and that you can try to bandage them, but you'll bleed through, you know, everything from drugs, alcohol, overeating, workaholic, whatever. You have to go in and be willing to, to look at it, reach in, pull the pain out, and then move forward, but not l allowing the pain of the past to have power over this current moment. So I think to acknowledge and deal with whatever it is is not the same as allowing it to have control over the current moment. Yeah. So, so if, if you've been harmed by something that happened in the past, you recognize, number one, that was the past. You already have survived, whatever exactly. that is. You already have survived. You already are the conqueror uh, in, in your own life. But right. to look at it for what it really is and not continue to give it power in the present moment, I think is important. Do you see okay. what... Um, What's been hap what happened to you in the past? Do you repeat it in everyday life? Do you see yourself doing that? I I don't. Um, I think that has um, it shown up in other patterns? Is what Lizzie is saying. It has, but I oh, what no. I'm doing is I'm taking the patterns and I'm recognizing the patterns, and and I'm thinking that because I'm recognizing the patterns, 
I'm able to change it. And, and I guess my question would be, in, in letting go of the past and, and facing your past, does that mean you have to go back and necessarily face, for example, the perpetrator if you, you know, had been abused or something? Oh, I see what you're saying. So, um, no, you no. don't have to go back and okay. face the perpetrator at all. You okay. have to face what the perpetrator did to you in your own heart. You have to own it. You have to... Um, Recognize the patterns. And also grieve what you lost, feel it. You know, if we don't feel what happened to ourselves and cover it up over and over, um, all you have is bandages around you. You have to peel back those bandages and look and feel it and see if there's things you're holding on to where you maybe blamed yourself and it's showing up in that way. But no, you don't have to go and speak to the perpetrator unless you feel that that perpetrator is ready to actually hear you and be changed and and be there with you in a safe space. I, I don't think it's necessary. No, you don't. You have to make peace with yourself. Okay. And I think that's the most important thing, making peace with yourself and... About it. Right, yeah. about it, and, and being able to stay in the now. I understand letting that yeah. go. Thank you both so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, and creating your own boundaries around it. You know, it's about what right. you decide. It's about right. what you decide instead of asking yourself, particularly if there's a perpetrator, what everybody else thinks you should do, what is the right, right. thing to do. The right thing to do is what you feel. Right. The yeah. right th- And your feelings have the power here. Yeah. Right. Thank okay. you for calling. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thank you both. I think one of the most important things for from t- tonight's lesson and for all the lessons is really what we were talking about alignment. I think if nothing else happens to everybody else who's listened to be able to bring because I I had an epiphany tonight, but I thought I'd already talked too much about myself, so I didn't even say it. I realize now that is the reason why I've been so successful in my life. Let's listen to that clip because we have it. We liked it so much, too. You did? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. If you deny life by denying the now, life can't work. It's like shutting, closing the shutters. The sun can't come in. Yeah. Why not open the shutters and let the sunshine in, which is, it's when you no longer deny the present moment, then not only do you see all the things that are lining up there to support you, it also means more things are coming into your life. Absolutely. To be of assistance. Absolutely. And so that's wonderful once you... The evolutionary impulse of the universe. Yes. Yes. It it does not mean that you will never again encounter challenges Right. Or, or if you have a, if you want to have a certain course of action, you want to go from here to there. Always, of course, being conscious that the step you're taking at this moment is the most important step. But you might still want to go from here to there. And as soon as you encounter an, a, a challenge, not resist it, but immediately come to an acceptance of the new situation, and then see how that, it, very often it turns around and becomes actually helpful. Yes. In the same way that a martial arts master always uses the opposing energy he never the martial arts master does not fight against he uses the opponent's energy and gives into it mm-hmm. and he wins by not by yielding to the oncoming energy knowing how to surrender to the yes. oncoming energy yeah love that yeah <clears throat> so um Talk a little bit about alignment. Well, I just think that for 
my for myself I've known that for a long time that working with and I didn't call it presence I called it God I ask that all things that I do before I do any show I, I spend a moment before going on to every show in the elevator asking the presence of God um, to to be with me to be guided by something bigger than my own personality I do that and have done it throughout my life because I recognize what an enormous responsibility it is speaking to thousands millions of people and that I cannot as one person do that so I ask for it to flow through me and by doing so by doing that I have created this uh, opening for that which is greater than myself to flow through and that's why things line up all the and, time and I have miracles just like you were saying miracles all the time and and your purpose is to touch millions of people through television and media but everyone has right. the exact same purpose and the way to get to the the outer purpose in your life is to ask that whatever you do is in service to something greater than yourself. Than yourself. That's the inner purpose meeting up with the outer purpose. Correct. And that's the subtitle of the book, Awakening to Your Purpose, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Purpose. If people take anything away from these 10 weeks, it would be that for me, that um, the more we become still and find out, the discover and live in this amazing life force that's within us at every moment, tuning into that is our inner purpose. That's our purpose every day to wake up, to tune in to the great life that lives within us. And the more we can, the more it manifests out in the world and becomes a great purpose in our outer life as well. And no matter what you do, you bring that to whatever you do, and that will be infused by that greatness coming from a source greater than your own ego or personality. The world will see that. And the world... and Will the respond world, in kind. And it will, and then together, we'll create this new earth. Absolutely. And... Uh, if you've loved these um, 10 weeks, 10 weeks, if you've loved the radio shows, if you've loved the webcast, you can go back and find them on Oprah.com whenever you want, all summer long. Right. And you're part of this global community. You can stay connected through Oprah's Soul Series, which is going to be go happening all summer long. OSS. On, on <laughs> uh, the summer school. Yeah. And uh, next week... Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, someone who's really living what Eckhart Tolle has written about. Right. You can tune into that. And then over the summer, come on Monday nights, just come back, make it a, a regular pattern for your summer, and find wisdom from lots of other speakers and teachers and authors. Well, what's so exciting is, is what we were talking about, what you were saying earlier, is that now, and Eckhart said this tonight, once you've gone down this path and started to awaken you can't take it back. And so what happens is you will see other books and you will hear other teachers and you will respond to what the world has to offer in a very different way yeah. that begins to continue to open up the new earth yeah. to you. And then you give it away. And then you give it you away. You give it away. That's right. Yeah. You don't want to hold on to it. You want yeah. to share it with as many people as possible. Yeah. And that's why it's been so great having you here after every class sharing what you know with all of our listeners. Thank you, Elizabeth it's Lesser. It's been a privilege and fun and deep. Thank you, Oprah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. 
You've been listening to a special live world event, the conclusion of a new earth awakening to your life's purpose on Oprah and Friends and Oprah.com. You can hear encores of tonight's broadcast all week long on XM 156. If you would like a complete program listing, go to Oprah.com slash radio. Special thanks to Plume, Penguin Group USA Publishers of A New Earth, and promotional consideration and partial production funding for A New Earth classes furnished by General Motors, 3M Corporation, and Skype Communications SARL. Starting Monday, May 12th, go to Oprah.com for exclusive video podcasts of Oprah's Soul Series, beginning with Oprah and Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, the author of My Stroke of Insight. Coming up next on Oprah and Friends, Marianne Williamson on A Course in Miracles. 